Hi everyone. Hope you have a good service. Have you had a good service so far? We've had some, um, had some good news in the week, haven't we? Pretty exciting. Have you had a chance to read the e-news this week? If you haven't, uh, let me know and I will email something out to you as soon as possible. So because of the easing of the um, COVID restrictions, we've worked out a way over a few services that we can meet face-to-face starting next week. So this is our last online service. Oh, oh well, I'm sort of pleased to be honest. Actually, I'm thrilled. I can't wait to see everyone. And um, even in smaller numbers, it'd be great to gather together. How about we pray as we uh, look at our third instalment of this great story of David and Goliath. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this good news. Uh, we really do. We can't wait next week to meet up together again. Um, and we pray that you'd give us a good day today as we look at your word. We ask, Lord, that you'd speak to us and that we would trust in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, recently, due to Michelle's work going absolutely nuts, in fact, it's the busiest I've ever seen her in our married life. Uh, She's just been under the pump um, a great deal. I've had to take up, well, I've had to take up the role as a family chef, family cook. Okay, I've actually done, I've done some, I've done the cooking, right? Just to, it actually hasn't been that bad. I've, uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, but it's been edible, mostly. It's good, isn't it? And then sometimes it's tasted really good. So, you know, I'm pretty impressed. Um, now, unlike Michelle, who's when she cooks, uh, she's one of those sort of crazy taste and feel cooks, right? You know, just taste it, see how it goes, whatever. A bit of a culinary hippie. I'm a recipe man might tell you a bit about our personalities as well. Anyway, I'm a recipe, now, uh, recipe man. I follow quite carefully the recipe. I don't want to add anything to it or take anything away from it. Uh, actually, if I'd, I'd be a fool to add anything to it or take anything away. Because if I did, I can promise you that it would no longer be a green curry. It would no longer be a, uh, a beef stir-fry. It would no longer be the thing that it was designed to be, trust me. Now, I reckon that's a bit like the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And just like my cooking, if you add or take something away from it, well, it's incredibly dangerous. Of course, well, far more serious uh, to add or take away from the gospel. It is indeed. It's, it's dangerous, yes, uh, but sadly it's quite common. People trying to improve the recipe. You've got to do this plus Jesus. You've got to feel this way. Uh, you've got to know this or speak like this, be part of this group, not that group, and worship this way. And sometimes what we humans do we try, sometimes we humans, we try to add to the gospel by having things that matter to us like social issues, like political leanings or environmental concerns. We, we have those things that matter a great deal to us define what we think the gospel might be. That's dangerous. That's dangerous and it's foolish. And you end up with something that doesn't taste anywhere near as good. In fact, you end up with a different dish altogether, if I can stretch the metaphor. But hang on, aren't we talking about David and Goliath? Well, yes, we are. 
We are. And the gospel has much to do with this epic story. That's what I want to look at today. Uh, Think back to those very first words of the New Testament. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Do you remember those first words? You can flick back if you have a look, but it says, Jesus Christ, the Son of David. That statement makes it very clear that the story of David is part of the indispensable background to the gospel of Jesus. Now, of course, God choosing and anointing a king for myself, back in chapter 16, likewise points us to the many essential aspects to the gospel that have their root in much earlier days. But let me put it this way, and I want to quote a commentator that I read during the week. Very good. The most important thing for us to understand about the story of David and Goliath is that its gripping excitement has become the gripping excitement of the gospel of Jesus, the son of David. Well, in this third episode, in this great drama down in the Valley of Elah, we'll see why the idea of adding or taking away from the gospel can be, well, pretty appealing and might even taste good but it's poisonous and will end in ruin. Last week, we left things off with David running his errand uh, for his father. He was bringing provisions to his brothers and he was to report back to his father about how they were going. Now, on his arrival at the front line, he saw and heard the Philistine on this Philistine on steroids and he also saw the terror in the Israelites' eyes. He heard that Saul had offered a reward of sorts, to anyone who would kill this behemoth. And David was interested. Wanted to find out a bit more. Started asking questions. But his words were not in fear about Goliath, but they actually were words of courage. Have a look back. If you've got your Bible open, have a look in chapter 17. That's the chapter we've been focusing on. And verse 26. So verse 26 says, What will be done, this is David speaking, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Defy or mock the armies of the living God? Now his brothers weren't, well, his brothers though, you see, were unimpressed by David's bravado you could almost hear them say to themselves you presumptuous little upstart yeah you don't belong here what do you know about fighting but word spread about the words this shepherd boy was speaking and in verse 31 it wasn't long before Saul heard about David's words now, if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to have 1 Samuel 17 open and looking at verse 26. And let's, let's see what David's doing in verse 26. These are the words that Saul heard, the questions that David was asking. Saul heard about them. Let's see what David's doing. See, first of all, he acknowledges that the God of Israel was the living God, the, the living God, uh, who must be taken seriously by all people, including those Philistines. And second, he recognised that Israel belonged to this God. Israel's armies are, do you see it there? The armies of the living God. So uh, Israel's armies should trust the living God. Third, David saw Goliath's words as a mocking insult to Israel uh, and, and to God. So therefore, he regards Goliath as beneath contempt. He won't even mention his name. He's unworthy of acknowledgement. Uh, 
let alone he's unworthy of, of any sort of fear. These are words that catch the attention or that, 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 that caught the attention of the king, I should say. And so this strange scene, this conversation takes place. God's chosen and anointed king, the king-elect, you could say, uh, something we know but Saul didn't know, speaks to the outgoing, failed, rejected, inactive king. So a youth well under military age has a conversation with a king. And it's David who takes control, who's in charge. Interesting, isn't it? In fact, as we'll see, David proclaims the gospel, the good news, that's what the word means, to Saul. Now, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, is it? Uh, but if you listen carefully, you might, you might well hear what we might call gospel dimensions to his words. So in verse 32, have a look at it with me. Verse 32 David says, do not fear, I will fight. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Now, I wonder if those words remind you of the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus. David's gospel, his good news, is he had two outrageous points to them. Let's think about them for a moment. The first one is don't be afraid on account of this Philistine. Hang on, had he really looked at Goliath? Come on. Like the, this guy embodied terror. Remember the description a couple, uh, a couple of sermons ago, a couple of weeks ago? Most sensible people faith, faced with Goliath, what would they do? Well, they would probably run away or they would hide uh, or find out, think of some other way to get out of that situation. But not say, let no one lose heart. Are you kidding? See, I imagine that's what, probably what Saul was thinking about David. See, now look at our great enemy. It's something we don't like to think about very often. Think of death. Your death. Think of sin, your sin. Think of the devil and his claim on you. Our greatest enemy. Yet the gospel of Jesus says, do not be afraid. That's a pretty outrageous thing to say, isn't it? It's a pretty outrageous thing to say to sinners like you and me, don't you think? Except for the second thing David said, and the reason why no one should lose heart. Can you see it there? David said, I, your servant, will fight him for you. Think about that for a minute. Okay. Put yourself in Saul's shoes. He hears that. He hears this and he, well, yeah, right. I'm going to pin my hopes on this little upstart against the Philistine monster. It's crazy, isn't it? And I imagine Saul thought just as much. But you might remember from last week, Saul saw things differently than David, didn't he? He saw things according to his heart, the human's heart, whereas David saw things according to God's heart. So here's what we might call David's gospel. Do you see it? Those two points. The good news according to David is do not fear. Your servant will fight for you. I will fight for you. 
Now, I wonder if you can see how David's gospel was anything like the gospel of Jesus. Some of the first people to hear the Jesus' gospel, remember, were those shepherds uh, back in Luke chapter 2. I heard the angels' words, uh, Luke 2, 10 and 11. But the angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Do not be afraid. You'll be saved. You'll be saved from your enemies by a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Friends, people find the gospel of Jesus hard to take seriously. In fact, they, they find the gospel of Jesus hard to take seriously for the very same reasons that Saul found David's gospel hard to take seriously. It's not hard to understand Saul's disbelief. Look at verse 33, 1 Samuel 13, verse 33. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Saul could see that, well, Saul could see what anyone else could see. See, on paper, David was no match for Goliath. Saul didn't believe David's gospel. You can't do it, said Saul. You can't do it. Well, David responded with some choice words. You might remember back in chapter 16, he was described as someone who was, uh, who had, um, who was excellent, who, who spoke well, I think, or something like that. So here he goes, verse 34, David's response. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came along, uh, came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of God, armies of the living God. See, David's CV as a skillful fighter was impressive. David uh, was not as inexperienced as Saul might have thought. David would, or Goliath would be like one of, the, one of David's beasts that he had struck down. We can almost hear Saul thinking, David, Saving sheep is one thing, but war is another. But Saul was missing the point of David's gospel, wasn't he? And so, so David makes it clear, he spells it out. Verse 37, The Lord who rescued me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. The Lord will save and just like he rescued David from lions and bears, God will rescue him from this beast called Goliath and so rescue Israel from the Philistines. Now, our Bible doesn't pick this up as much in our, our translation, but this is the first time in this chapter that God's covenant name, Yahweh, is used. It's translated in our Bible as the Lord. The point David makes by using this name is that God is a covenant God. That means that God keeps his promises. God rescues his people and is with his people and so do not fear. Well, David's words must have been fairly compelling. Look at verse 37. Saul grants David's requests and says, go and the Lord be with you. And with that, well, here we go. It's on. Finally, we get to it. Man, we've been waiting a long time, haven't we, for a bit of action well, there's a bit of a hitch, isn't there? A bit of a hitch. 
Uh, Saul's failure to understand David's gospel was made even more obvious when this next thing happened. He, he tries to put his own armour on David uh, and his weapons as well. Saul tries to equip David like Goliath. Saul trying to dress David as a king like the other nations. That's what Saul was, wasn't he, from the very beginning? A king like the nations. But something else is going on here too. Saul, the king, is placing his royal garments and weaponry and so forth on David. It's interesting symbolism, isn't it? Uh, I'm sure Saul didn't see this. Saul was the king on the way out. David was the designated replacement. But Saul, but I should say David, was not a king like the other nations. Saul's way could not be David's way, and so he ditches the armour. Too heavy, too cumbersome, couldn't do it. He's never used anything like this, and today was certainly not the day to start learning. So verse 39, end of verse 39. So he took them off, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. And that's where we'll leave things this week. Oh, yeah, we've got to wait till next week. Sorry about that. Actually, next week, we figure out how this works. Hmm. This, well, it's a replica replica of, um, of David's sling. I'm going to show you how it works next week. Do a bit of practice, but yeah. So you have to come back next week. We'll actually come on Sunday and find out how this great story climaxes and finishes off. Now, let's finish off today. Can you see then, can you see how foolish it is to add or take away from, change the gospel, God's gospel? It'd be like suggesting that Israel's greatest need on the day in the Valley of Elah was anything other than rescue from the Philistines, rescue from this Philistine threat of Goliath, or that the danger could be dealt with by someone or something other than David. Imagine if David started talking to Saul about anything other than deliverance from Goliath. It'd be strange, wouldn't it? We'd be crazy. But sadly, some people, uh, teachers, pastors even, preachers, do the same thing when when, when speaking of our need of rescue because of our sin. They end up focusing on something other than our greatest need. And our greatest need is rescue from sin, death and Satan. That's our greatest need. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, like the gospel of David, addresses the real need with the only solution. And that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Unlike David's gospel, the gospel of Jesus is God's eternal solution to our eternal need. How about I pray for us? Father, we thank you for today. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you're a good God who loves us and that you sent Jesus to die for us on that cross. Thank you that he is the one solution to our eternal need, and that is to defeat the enemy of sin and death and Satan. Thank you that we can trust in Jesus. Thank you that we do not need to fear. Thank you that Jesus, your servant, our servant, died uh, as a ransom for many. He came not to to be served, but to serve. 
Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for church. We look forward to next week. Uh, help it to come together well and uh, help us to love each other as we care for one another in Jesus' name. Amen. See you around here uh, with the chairs put back and this pool put away uh, next week or maybe at 8 a.m., uh, 10 a.m. in here and then 6 p.m. back here again. Check the email. If you didn't get an email from me, make sure you get in touch. Uh, we'll see you then. Bye for now.